and welcome to the Head Shepherd Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Ferguson. The Head Shepherd Podcast is brought to you by NextGen Agri. At NextGen Agri, we're focused on livestock and genetics and technology, those three subjects, and that's what we'll cover here at Head Shepherd. They're the three things that we love talking about, the three things we love learning about, and the three things that we work with our clients on. So you can expect to hear from both myself and the team here at NextGen Agri, as well as our leading experts that work across those three aspects of livestock production. Welcome to the Head Shepherd Podcast. You're with Berg. Today, we're going to be covering off the final part in our three-part series that we called Heritability of Hope. That series covered a range of things. The first two parts covered, we hope someone wants to buy our products in 10 years' time. So that was about making sure that the products we're producing are fit for a a consumer in 10 years' time. And the second part of that series was we hope that we can still farm in the same way in 10 years' time. So again, still relatively consumer-focused. Are we are we producing our products in a way that will that will still have consumer demand in in ten years time? Today we're going to be looking much more directly at the animals we're we're farming with, and and today's episode is that we hope that we're farming with the best animals that we can be. And while that seems pretty obvious, that of course we're farming with the animals, the best animals because we've selected them. I guess what we see in the industry is that that uh, some of that selection is is largely based on on hope and and subjective assessment and not using all the tools available to people. So that's where we're going to cover off today. This is the final episode in our first season. It's been it's been a really great learning experience to to start this Head Shepherd podcast. We've uh, we've had some fun. We've learned a few things on how to how to do it better. And so we're going to have a couple of week break and then and then get back into the season 2 of Head Shepherd. So we're not going away for too long, but we we will take a break, regroup and launch season two with some some really great material. So today I want to talk about the heritability of hope. I hope we've got the right animals for our production system. And this starts off with deciding exactly what you do produce and exactly what you want to produce and in the way you want that done. What I would encourage is that that's a conscious decision, a conscious sit down with everyone involved in the business and actually talk about do we want to produce 18 kilo lambs at 16 weeks or do we want to do do we want to produce 16 micron wool or, or what is the combination of traits that that we are aiming at the important thing is that it doesn't really matter what you decide to produce and you might live right next door to somebody who's doing something completely different and that's fine it's not about what you do it's more about how you do it that i think is important we have clients from from 40 micron producing lots of prime lambs through to 12 micron producing the world's finest wool and the principles and tools can all apply across those across those different sheep types equally in cattle quite different breeding objectives yet the tools can still help and, and achieve a much greater rate of genetic gain than by not using some some good selection tools so there's two critical parts to having the right genetics on your farm and one is is that they're matched to what you want to achieve and so you've You've got the right balance of traits for what you're trying to achieve, and two is that you're actually making genetic gain towards towards your desired desired direction, because it's often assumed that we're making genetic gain that every year the young the, the two year olds are going to be better than the six year old ewes, but if you're not actively selecting sires and rams that are better than they were six years ago, then then it's likely you're not making genetic gain at all, or if it is, it's much lower than the than the potential rate of gain that you could be making. In the sheep industry, we sit well below 1% rate of genetic gain, yet other animal industries make 
two and a half, three, four percent genetic gain, depending on depending on the industry. We have a lot of opportunity in the sheep industry and the beef cattle industries to make some some higher rates of genetic gain across the board. Definitely, there's individuals within the industry making great gain, but we have to make sure as commercial ram buyers and bull buyers that we are doing our level best to to improve our sheep and our cattle. So once you've determined exactly what it is that you want to produce the next job is to work out which traits sort of make up your your selection traits and i would encourage to limit that to four or five for a commercial producer remembering we've got to balance that with subjective assessment as well as as well as the the measurement so so four or five traits will get most people uh, into into a state where they can they're starting to select the animals that are best for for their farm when you're selecting those traits it's important not just to think about making money from genetics, and and you will have maybe heard me talk about this before, because often when we think about genetics, we we go straight for the how do we make more money traits? How do I get an animal that grows faster? How do I cut more wool from my sheep? How do I get more lambs from my ewes? How do I get more calves from my from my cattle? We often think straight to those those money making traits. Yet genetics are just as good at saving money. And, and a lot of the time we think about genetics, it's, it's thinking about how do we build an animal that actually costs less money to run? How do we build an animal that takes less time to run it, less requirement to come into the yards and, and do something to it? So in my mind, there's four ways you think about the traits that you want to that you want to focus on. And, and one is the traits that make you more money. The next one is how do I save money from genetics? What's the trait that might save me some money? So that might be there might be worm egg count where cut a drench out or cut some yarding time out by by selecting for animals that require less strength, less drenching. The next one, the third one is traits that save you time. And obviously time and money traits often go together, but something like foot rot, if you've got animals that are genetically resistant to foot rot, the time required of bringing those into the yards and treating them while it's not necessarily that expensive per time for, for any products used, it's extremely expensive and extremely time-consuming in terms of how much the labour gets tied up. And then finally, it's it's traits that delight a customer, and we've covered them pretty well in the first two parts of of this three-part series. So four ways: traits that make you money, traits that save you money, traits that save you time, and traits that delight a customer. So they're they're ways to approach that. And you want to sit down, you want to decide which four or five traits are things that you most want to improve. Obviously, we want improve everything about our sheep or cattle but when it comes down to it once you've determined determine exactly what you want to achieve you will then should be able to sit down and work out the four or five things that that you most want to improve to to achieve those things on farm and these are things you want to improve through genetics obviously there's some things that you want to improve through management you might want to get a higher scanning through and you know that you can do that by by improved management of condition score post weaning or you might want to get a higher lamb survival, and you're going to do that through some some management interventions pre pre lambing. What we want you to think about when you're thinking about your genetic plan and thinking about making sure you've got the best genetics for your production system, we want you to think about the traits that you want to improve through through genes. And so, most people can come up with four or five. People can easily come up with eight or nine. But if you limit yourself to four or five, it'll get to the ones you want to most improve, and then there'll be other ones that you want to watch at the same time. So once you get to that point where you've got your four or five traits which directly align with what you want to want to achieve, it's then the practices involved in how you would maximise 
animals that you can select? How can you maximize the selection accuracy for those traits? How do you minimize the amount of error you make in selecting animals that, that have the traits that you're after? Because when it comes to genetic gain, error is the absolute enemy of genetic gain. Every time you make a slight, slight mistake in terms of that selection strategy, then your rate of genetic gain goes down because you have just selected an animal that you think is the best for a trait that you're after. It might be, it might be a really heavy cutter as, a, as an individual, cut a lot of wool, but then you find out that it was a single born out of a four-year-old ewe born first in the drop, and so was phenotypically always going to cut a lot of wool, but genetically it might not be the way. So we, we're then going through a process of trying to remove the error. And I call that error white noise because there's this white noise that's in every trait that we have to try and remove so that we can actually get down to the genes for that trait. And that's where breeding values come into it. Australian sheep breeding values or estimated breeding values, depending on, on the species you're dealing with or the country that you're in. Breeding values are designed to remove the white noise out of the equation so that when you're looking at a trait, you're looking at the genetic potential for that trait, for that animal with all the white noise removed. And what is what are these sources of white noise? So we've got, obviously, birth type. Single-born animals perform better phenotypically than twin-born animals across lots of different traits, more traits than you would think of. Obviously, we know that they're a bit smaller and they grow a bit slower uh, early on in life, but also wool traits get permanently impacted on being born a twin. And that's right through from the stuff we can measure as well as the stuff we can see in wool. And so twin-born animals are at a distinct disadvantage. And if we haven't removed that twin effect, then, then we can easily be just selecting singles. The age of the dam is another bit of white noise. So we know that lambs out of first lambers are going to be a little bit less productive than, than lambs out of older ewes. And same, with, same goes for, for bulls out of heifers versus bulls out of cows. They will be at a distinct disadvantage in terms of their growth rate and in terms of how they appear on sale day because of the age of their mother. And particularly if, if you're mating uh, you ogots or you lambs then, and you're getting rams out of them, then that's an even greater impact on how those animals look. You've even got age of the animal. Sometimes you're looking at a catalogue where you, sometimes you've got autumn-born rams mixed in with spring-born rams, and particularly if you're buying across a couple of different vendors, then you'll have this, this age effect, which can completely change how the animal appears phenotypically but does not change the genetic potential of that of that animal. You've then obviously got nutritional differences. If you're looking just within a group of rams that have all run together, then that's not as critical. You've then got massive differences in environment and nutrition that different rams have been fed under, particularly if you're buying across a couple of different vendors or you're at least looking across a couple of different vendors. Huge impacts on how an animal looks and how it measures by, by how well it's it's been fed, by which conditions it's been run under. Has it been running outside? Has it been running in a shed under, under perfect conditions? All of that will have a massive impact on what that animal looks like on, on sale day. And so all of that, all of those things, whether it's a single tim, whether it's born out of a maiden or an older ewe, whether it's first in a drop or last in a drop, whether it's been fed like a king or, or running around on grass, all of that stuff is just white noise because none of that breeds on. It's only the DNA, only the genetics that passes into that next generation because that's the bit we get to build our ewe flocks and our cow herds through through that DNA that we're bringing in through these purchases. So we've got to make a really good decision around around those around those things and we've got to remove all that white noise and that is impossible 
for anyone to actually remove all those impacts when they're looking at a, a single number. If I'm looking at a at a yielding weight or a, so a body weight at sale day, or I'm looking at a raw muscle or fat measurement, or I'm looking at a raw clean fleece weight measurement, I don't know which part of that is is genetic and which part of that is is just white noise because those two things are mixed up in that measurement. Conversely, we convert that to a breeding value and all of a sudden we know exactly what we're dealing with and we know that we can compare that that animal wherever it is in the country, wherever it is across Australasia, we can compare it on an apples with apples basis for in each individual trait. And that gives us an enormous amount of power to find the animals that best suit our enterprise, which is the name of the game. We're trying to find genetics that are best for our enterprise. So once you're looking at a, a breeding value, you know that all that all those impacts are gone. You know that what you're looking at is the best estimation of the genetics of that animal. And of course, it's not 100%. It's got it's got some error in it as well, but the error is a, a lot less than error is on a raw measurement, a, a number that hasn't been corrected. And to further help, that, that number's also taken into account the full pedigree of that animal and all of the brothers and sisters that, that are related to that animal and their measurements. So it's not just using the, the weaning weight from that animal, it's using the weaning weight from all the other animals side by the same sire and from the same dam. All of that information building over time helps generate that breeding value. So it's so it's using all of the information that's available to it to, to build each breeding value for each trait. And pedigree is massively important in that. Full sire and dam pedigree has an enormous amount of power in helping get an accurate breeding value and therefore enable you to buy the right rams or bulls for your enterprise. So if you're serious about getting the best genetics that suit your requirements, then you really need to be using breeding values to help that help guide that selection because that is the best indication of how the DNA or how the genes are going to work. Obviously then you get you get to see the rams and, and this year is going to be tougher than most, but then you're applying your your skills in in assessing the wool type or or the, the carcass structure or all the things that you want to look at that are important to you that, that can't be determined by a breeding value. You want to make sure the, the bastions are right, the hocks are right, that the wool type was going to suit your rainfall. There's a whole heap of things that you need to do to then ground truth what you're reading in the data with what you're seeing in front of you. And really critical that you do both those things. But the reality is you only get offered one or two chances to look at the animals in the flesh, whereas you get a lot of time to go through the data and actually work out which ones meet your objectives well before you're actually there in front of those animals or well before you're getting someone to select them. So the, the data gives you time to get through and, and shortlist animals, and then you can go through and be really stringent with all your structural traits and and your type traits that are important to you because if they're important to you, you need to – everyone wants to farm with the type of animal they like to look at, and that's 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 important. So we can use the data to help narrow that down and then we, then we get in front of those animals and, and have a good look through them. The beauty of, of breeding values is after you get to know them really well and you've spent a lot of time with them, they actually start painting a really close picture of the animal you're expecting to see when you, when you get in front of them. Very rarely these days do we get surprised when we're looking at an animal having studied their, their breeding values really well. A lot of those breeding values will actually give you a, a good insight into what you're going to see in terms of subjective, what the wool type's going to be like, what the skin type's going to be like what shape that animal is going to be, you can often pick that from the balance of traits that you're seeing in the breeding values. Pretty much the only thing you can't see is is the, 
the structural faults that, that you want to check out. But it's amazing when you get into well-characterized flocks that have got good data structures, how often you actually know what that animal is going to look like before you get there. Now, part of this whole process of you making sure you've got the best genetics to farm with is about where you actually get them from. And there's a few ways to look at that. One is make sure that they're measuring the traits that are important to you. If there's a trait that's in your top four or five traits that you want to improve and your ram breeder or bull breeder is not actually measuring that trait, then you've got a problem. So you definitely want to be finding people that are uh, measuring for the traits that, that are important to you. And if they're not, ask them to. And if they won't, then you move. So that's step one, make sure they're measuring the traits. Step two is work out how much effort they're putting into the data. Are they getting full pedigree on the dam side? Are they doing the work that you would expect of a ram breeder or a bull breeder to, to make sure you're getting the best data possible? Because having all that good and that right information will improve the accuracy of the breeding value and therefore remove the error or reduce the error for you and therefore improve your rate of genetic gain in those in those selection decisions. So important to have that discussion with your ram breeder. Ask what their what their objectives are, what's their direction, what measurements are they taking, all that sort of stuff is can be an open discussion with your ram breeder to to clarify, to make sure that you're on the right at the right place. What I see time and time again is that Genetics are relatively invisible. People think they're farming with the best genes possible for them, but they've never actually tried anything different or they've never actually gone out and tried a different a different source. They've done the same thing for several years and think that they're perfectly suited to their farm because that's all they've ever known, that's all they've ever farmed with. And time and time again when we work with those people, when they come on as clients and we help them make some, some decisions, they see the power of genetics as we start to change those side teams and how big that impact can be. It can be enormous, the difference between what you think is optimum now compared to what can be optimum if you start applying all the right principles with that selection decision. Time and time again, we see that what people think was them being not so good at farming or the farm wasn't very good at getting lambs or lambs just don't do on our property. Often that is a, re a direct result of the genetics that have been, are being used. And when we get a new set of genes in there, we see that actually that's not true. It was the genes were holding us back. Sometimes it's nutrition, obviously. Um, nutrition and genetics go hand in hand, and you always spend your first management changes are on, on those management things around nutrition because that's your, your quickest bang for your buck. But we do know that genetics will always and can always have a massive impact on the bottom line over time. Remembering you've only got 30 opportunities to select a bull team or a ram team, and you've got to make the most of them. We're about to wrap this episode up and with it the series and the season as we close out close out all those things with this with this episode. I just want to finish by saying how there is an enormous potential to get the right genes on your farm. Some of you will be nailing that right now. Some of you are trying to and some of you are still doing what you've what you've always done. Obviously I'm more passionate about genetics than most, but really, really critical in my mind to have a good think about the genes that you're applying in your enterprise. Are they the best fit for you? Are they the best animals that you could possibly have within your budget to, to meet your needs? And if the answer isn't a definite yes, then, then I really encourage you to think about what you could do to, to try something different this year, just to, just to do a trial. You don't have to change the whole flock. A few rams here or a bull there just to, to see 
to test that theory whether whether genes could have an impact on your on your flock. Obviously, there's a myriad of of data points and information out there, and it can be really confusing. At Next in Agri, our job is to to really declutter all of that to get down to what is important to you. We've got our online courses. We'd really encourage you to to do one of those. The sheep breeding course has got a lot of good feedback. It's all self-paced and takes you from really basic principles through to through to breeding bees and having a breeding objective with with breeding bees that suit you. And it's um, we've got some great feedback from people that have gone from not really knowing that much that now feel confident in in the plan they've got ahead of them. We've also got our masterclass. We're just running that at the moment, and that's going going well early. We haven't got any feedback yet because it's only a couple of weeks in, but certainly we'll be running another one of those uh, later in the year, and we'd would love for you to to get on board. Our consulting packages are designed to help people get the right rams and the right bulls in their enterprises. Within those consulting packages. We help people go through catalogues, work out where the best place to buy their rams from, and then help them select those rams. We also go on farm and, and help select ewes, do a whole range of things for our commercial clients. We have packages right through to full support for ram breeding and bull breeding clients, and, and we'd love for you to check all those out at www.nextgenagri.com. You'll see our courses page there, or you'll see our consulting packages as well. We absolutely live and breathe genetics here at Next Gen Agri. It's, it's what we do, and we love applying the combination of good stockmanship with with good science. We're not about just driving the numbers for the numbers' sake. We're about building great sheep that suit enterprises, and and we really do feel like we're making a difference for for agriculture across Australia and New Zealand for our direct clients that we're working with. As we see every generation being a brand new set of animals that have never been bred before, as we apply the science and we apply the good stock selection skills to to end up with a with a whole whole new type of sheep and it, it is unbelievably exciting that's enough from me thanks very much for joining us here on head shepherd we'd love bringing this podcast to you we'll have a couple of weeks off and we'll back to you with season two thanks so much for the feedback that we get on social media keep it coming we we really do love love hearing that feedback and would love any suggestions about a guest you'd like on the show we've just clicked over five thousand downloads from a standing start uh, three months ago, so we're pretty thrilled with that, and, and hope to keep growing, growing the podcast, and and bringing great information to you, which seems like a way that people really enjoy it over over a podcast because you can can consume that information while you're doing doing your other important jobs on the farm. That's it for for season one. That's it for this series, uh, and that's it for this episode. Thanks very much. You've been with Ferg. We look forward to seeing you in the next season. 